Our reading today comes from Genesis chapter 12, and we're going to read verses 1 to 9, and that can be found on page 8 of the Church Bibles. Genesis chapter 12. Now the Lord said to Abram, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land I will show you, and I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed." So Abram went as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. And Abram took Sarai, his wife, and Lot, his brother's son, and all their possessions that they had gathered, and the people that they had acquired in Haran. And they set out to go to the land of Canaan. When they came to the land of Canaan, Abram passed through the land to the place at Shechem to the oak of Moreh. At that time, the Canaanites were in the land. Then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your offspring I will give this land. So he built there an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. From there he moved to the hill country on the east of Bethel and pitched his tent with Bethel on the west and I on the east. And there he built an altar to the Lord and called upon the name of the Lord. And Abram journeyed on, still going towards the Negev. Well, if you'd like to keep that passage open in front of you, and we'll look at that together. And as we do that, let's pray and ask for God's help. Our Father, we thank you for this time that we can gather round your word. Uh, We pray that as we, we do, that your spirit would be at work in our hearts. Lord, you know each and every one of us uh, uh, at the deepest level, and uh, you know what we need to hear today. So we pray, Lord, that you would minister to us now. In Jesus' name, amen. I wonder if you were to think for a moment of an event that has shaped the course of your life. Uh, uh, Maybe you can look back on a big life decision that uh, you you made, the the acceptance of a job or a a marriage proposal. Uh, Or maybe it was some wise advice or something that you read that has had a profound effect on your way of thinking. Or maybe it was an inspirational talk or an example that led you to take a a, a certain path in life. Uh, For me, a life-changing moment that has shaped the course of of my life was my decision to belatedly accept a wedding invitation nearly 20 years ago. And it was at that wedding that I met the McGibbon family in the providence of God. That day has has shaped not only the course of my life, but also uh, this church. I didn't just gain that day a a future elder uh, out of that wedding in Kenny, uh, or two sister-in-laws in in Laura and Heather who love and so sacrificially serve this church. I also managed to snag myself a wife. Uh, And in fact, yesterday we celebrated 18 years of marriage, uh, and that's something I'm profoundly grateful for. Uh, We all have moments that shape our lives in significant ways. 
And in the passage that we're looking at today, we have a moment of incredible significance that had far-reaching consequences. It didn't just shape the lives of Abraham and his family. It's a moment uh, that shapes all that follows in the history of God's people. A moment that shapes the entire Bible from here on in. John Stott wrote of these verses, it may truly be said without exaggeration that not only the rest of the Old Testament, but the whole of the New Testament are an outworking of these promises of God. In fact, it wouldn't be an exaggeration to say that the verses that we are looking at today are such a profound moment in salvation history that they continue to shape our lives and the life of our church today. So what is it that is so significant about these verses in Genesis 12? Well, that's what we're going to be thinking about as we look at God's call to Abraham. Now, last week we were, we were, we were looking at the end of Genesis chapter 11, uh, and we were introduced to Abraham there in the last few verses, and we saw that, that Abraham, he, he wasn't called by God because of something righteous in him, because he was somehow deserving of God's favor. No, before God called him, Abraham was involved in some pretty dodgy stuff. He was an older man living in Ur of the Chaldeans with a lifetime of worship to the moon god Sin behind him. He wasn't close to seeking God. He was deeply embedded in a pagan culture that practiced human sacrifice. And yet God in his grace called Abraham out of that life of darkness and into a new life. If you look with me at verse 1, now the Lord said to Abraham, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house. Now it would be easy to assume that God's call on his life was so welcome that Abraham didn't need to give it a second thought before responding. But look what God called Abraham to do. In verse 1, we have an ascending order of sacrificial steps that, that Abraham had to make to respond to God's call on his life. God called him to leave his country, the place that he'd always known, where he'd made his home, where he'd established his life. And God told him to, to leave it all behind. But not only that, he called him to leave his kindred, his people, his culture, a lifetime of friends and connections. To do that was to, to turn his back on his status, on his identity. In her, he would have become well-known, respected, it was no small thing to leave those connections behind. But the greatest sacrifice of all was God's call to Abraham to go from his father's house, to leave behind the deepest relationships and to turn his back on all the security that came with that. For Abraham to leave his family, apart from the, the tremendous emotional wrench that must have been, it may also have brought shame and disgrace on both him and his family. To obey God's call was an incredibly costly step for Abraham to take. And it's one that he certainly wouldn't have taken lightly. 
But God's promises to Abraham were conditional on him responding to that call. Abraham had to trust God with everything and step out in faith, not knowing where that journey would take him, not knowing what the future held. And it's a lot like that when it comes to responding to Jesus' call on our lives. Dietrich Bonhoeffer wrote, when Christ calls a man, he bids him come and die. The call of Christ on our lives is the call to give up everything and to follow him. To give up the right to rule our own lives and to trust him to lead us. And that may mean the loss of friendships. It may mean strain on family relationships. It may mean hostility from our culture. It may mean uncertainty. To follow Jesus is costly. It means stepping out in faith. But just as in the case of Abraham, that call on our lives, it comes with promises. And the promises God made to Abraham are like a sneak preview of what will be worked out in the rest of the Bible in a fuller and greater way. And that's why these verses are such a significant moment in the Bible's storyline. If you look with me again at verse 1, now the Lord said to Abraham, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you, and I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Now, notice there are three promises here. They're promises that will form the basis of the covenant that God will enter into with Abraham later. First of all, in verse 1, we see God promise a land. He calls Abraham to go out to a land that he would show him. God would give Abraham and his descendants a place that they could call home. Secondly, he promises Abraham that he will make of him a great nation. That was an extraordinary promise because Abraham and his wife Sarah, they were old and they were childless. For that promise to be fulfilled would take a miracle. And thirdly, God promised Abraham that he would bless him and his descendants, and that his people would be a blessing to many. So, God promised Abraham that he would establish a people through him who would live under his loving rule, experiencing his blessing in a land that they could call their own. And those are the same promises that God makes to his people today. We see God's promise of a land fulfilled ultimately in his eternal kingdom in the new creation. We see God's promise of a people worked out through the church. Paul says that the true descendants of Abraham are those who have faith. It's through faith in Jesus, another miracle baby, that we become part of this holy people of God. And it's as that people that we see God's promise of blessing worked out as we enter into a relationship with Him through Jesus Christ. Now, as Christians, we experience some of the blessing of those promises right now. 
but we don't experience the fullness of those blessings yet. We are still living in a fallen world. And so amidst the, the blessing of knowing God and walking with Him by His Spirit, we have to contend with, with suffering and the effects of sin in our lives. We still experience grief, depression, loneliness, disappointment, betrayal. We face times of weakness, frustration, and injustice. And that is why it is so important to meditate on the promises of God, to look forward to our heavenly future, to rest in the fact that one day we will experience Christ in all His fullness. We will enjoy the blessing of perfect relationships with God and with one another. Relationships that, that aren't tainted by sin. And we will experience all that in an eternal kingdom where there will be no more mourning or crying or pain. It's an incredible future that we have to look forward to. And as we take time to think about it, to meditate on it, it helps us to put everything that, that we have to endure in this world into perspective. So we can trust that what God has promised will ultimately be fulfilled and we can respond to Him by living obedient lives as we await that glorious future. And that's exactly what Abraham did. God said, go. And we read verse 4. So Abraham went, as the Lord had told him. He sacrificed everything and responded to God's call on his life. And in verse 4 to 9, we see what that actually looked like. So Abraham went, as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abraham was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. And Abraham took Sarai, his wife, and Lot, his brother's son, and all their possessions that they had gathered and the people that they had acquired in Haran. So Abraham set off on his journey, and his nephew Lot went with him. Lot's name is mentioned twice in these verses, which gives us a hint that he will have a role to play in this story as it goes on. And we will see that as this story unfolds in the next few weeks. We're also told uh, that Abraham traveled with his wife, uh, Sarai, and the people they had acquired in Haran. We, we don't know exactly what that's referring to. It could be people who were employed by Abraham, or it could be people who heard about God's call on his life and decided to go with him. Either way, Abraham set off with quite the entourage. And then in verse 6 to 9, we have a bit of a, a travelogue as, as Abraham traverses across the land of Canaan, worshipping God at, at, at various altars that he sets up along the way. Abraham passed through the land to the place at Shechem, to the Oak of Mori. At that time, the Canaanites were in the land. Then the Lord appeared to Abraham and said, To your offspring I will give this land. So he built there an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. From there he moved to the hill country on the east of Bethel and pitched his tent, with Bethel on the west and I on the east. And there he built an altar to the Lord and called upon the name of the Lord. 
And Abraham journeyed on, still going toward the Negev. Now, what's that all about? Why do we get all that detail of, of Abraham's travels? Well, on one level, those verses give us the account of the specific promise that God uh, made in verse 7, that he would give the land to, of Canaan to Abraham and his descendants. But there's also something else that's going on with all this altar building. By, by traveling around Canaan, worshiping God in various locations, Abraham was saying, this land belongs to God. He is the one who deserves to be worshipped here. He is the one who deserves to be praised. And this wasn't something Abraham was doing secretly when the Canaanites weren't watching. He was visiting important sites of Canaanite worship. And given the size of his entourage, there was no way that Abraham's presence would have gone unnoticed. And who knows? Maybe some Canaanites joined that entourage as well. Maybe they were blessed by their encounter with God's people. As Abraham built these altars and left a legacy of worship, maybe that legacy drew others to worship God as well. And I think this is a great illustration for us of what it looks like to worship God. When we gather here together, we worship God in a particular way. God ministers to us by His Spirit uh, as we join in prayer and praise together, uh, as we sit under His Word like we're doing now, and as we share in bread and wine, as we'll do in a moment. It is good for our spiritual health to gather together like this. But our worship is not confined to when we gather here. It is not something that is limited only to when we are with God's people. Our worship of God is something that is to be taken out into the world. Abraham took the name of Yahweh to a land that had never heard of him. He testified to God's steadfast love and faithfulness before a people who had never heard of the wonder of God's grace before. He left a legacy of worship wherever he went. And that's what God's people are called to do. To be a blessing to the nations by declaring the glory of God to a watching world. And we have far more reason to worship God than even Abraham did. Because we have seen far more of the unfolding of God's promises in Jesus Christ. We can testify to the amazing grace of God that he sent his only son into the world to die on a cross so that anyone who puts their trust in him can know the blessing of forgiveness for all our sins. And we can know the promise of eternal life in God's promised kingdom. We can live lives that are shaped not by what others think of us, but lives that rest secure in the knowledge that in Christ, God has called us. He loves us. And we have a heavenly Father who delights to call us His. And that is what it means to be blessed. 
to be at peace. Happy in the knowledge that we belong to the God of Abraham. And it says we live blessed lives that we can go into the world and through our lives and through our words, we can share the source of our happiness as we worship Him in our workplaces, in our schools, in our neighborhood, in our football team. We can testify to the truth that the God of Abraham is our God. And through the gift of His Son, Jesus, the blessing of knowing Him can be theirs as well. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank You that You are a God who always keeps His promises. We thank You for the glorious promises that You have made to Your people, promises that are fulfilled in the Lord Jesus. Lord, we have so much to praise You for today. Lord, as we look forward to the glorious, sure, and certain hope that we have in the Lord Jesus Christ, would uh, that shape our way of living right now? Would it impact every aspect of us, Lord, as we gather here together as your people and as we seek to live that out? Lord, we pray that, that your Spirit would work in our midst, that we would become more and more like Christ, that the world around us would be blessed as they come in contact with us, as we worship you, as we go out into this world and we testify to your goodness and grace wherever it is that you have placed us. And Lord, as we come to take bread and wine now, we pray that um, you would, by your Spirit, you would strengthen our faith as we remember the glorious gift of the Lord Jesus who bore the penalty on our behalf that we might know the blessing of forgiveness and eternal life. We pray these things in his precious name.